What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 134 of the Noise Podcast, part of the Noise Podcast Network and sponsored by Satanic Takeout. I'm your host, Sasha Boy, Chris Pugh. And as ever, I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, on this hot, horrendous uh, Thursday evening, how are we? Well, um, I'm sick of reading this is the hottest day of the year until tomorrow when that, that becomes the hottest day of the year and then the next one does. Like, it's wild, what, yeah. when is this when is this gonna end, man? Like I'm <clears throat> Honestly, sick of it. Is there anything more classically British than it raining for six weeks and then being blistering <laughs> and giving us blistering heat for the first week of September when everyone's gotta wear suits again? Come on, dude. Yeah, welcome Do back it have to, to happen? it's thirty two degrees. We we don't have aircon in our classroom, so just opening the windows and just dealing with it. It is horrendous. It's pretty rough, man. Yeah, and it's like and we're not a country that's like widely invested in aircon because if you think about like if you're a business and you open up like you know me and you uh open up like a store we're not going to spend fourteen thousand pound on aircon when it's warm for like three weeks of the year but you know when it's warm for three weeks of the year you really wish there was aircon right absolutely and you're gonna like hol- holidays and hotels in like spain and portugal and those kind of places and there's aircon everywhere and it's amazing uh, it's just really sad, really, really sad state of affairs. Um, but yeah, uh, lots, lots of fun to discuss um, upcoming on the podcast at least. Though, yeah, to cool us down, let's talk about one album that I think will rive you intensely, another album that will excite you intensely. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> uh, we're a rock and metal podcast. Uh, we come to you every fortnight. Uh, the best way to support us is by subscribing on YouTube, slash liking or following, depending on whichever podcast service you use we're available on spotify apple podcast basically anywhere you get a podcast me and sam will be there we're sponsored by satanic tea co a superb coffee slash tea slash metal band and brand uh, more about those in our description on today's episode we are going to discuss a new records from Corey taylor and tesseract Let's start with Corey Taylor. Oh, just before that, sorry. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Both me and Sam uh, run that account. And you can follow the general noise handle on Twitter at Noise UK. So, Sam, let's start with uh, Corey Taylor. CM2 is out on September 15th via BMG slash Decibel Cooper Records. Uh, it's Corey Taylor's second solo record and the follow-up to 2020's CMFT. Just a question for you, Sam, before we begin. Uh, I believe the reality is that if Corey Taylor retired as a musician tomorrow, he goes down as the greatest metal frontman of the 21st century. Any arguments? Um, Quick scan. No, not really. In terms of impact? Yeah. Um, he the fronted, age presence. He, he, front, he fronted the most important metal band of the 21st century by some distance. and. Even if he was just doing that and just a standard job, he'd be top five by virtue yeah. of being the front man of Slipknot. But on top of that, he's arguably the most talented metal vocalist in terms of range and of different abilities, mm-hmm. especially that uh, that first four or five years with the Slipknot and the two Stone Sarah records. Um, I mean, from 99 to about 2006, he was like rapping, writing poetry, screaming, singing wonderfully all within the range of two albums and stuff or two bands and a, and a collection of albums it, it's it's as good a resume as any front man 
in the 21st century. I, I, I don't have I don't have a personal argument for it. He's he's on the Mount Rushmore of modern day metal greats, and he should be considered really. I mean, it sounds blasphemous, but you really should consider Corey Taylor alongside like Ronnie James Dio and Ozzy Osbourne. Well, yeah, because Slipknot are the superstar metal band of the 21st century by by a considerable distance. The only band that's close to them is Avenged Sevenfold. Maybe in another three or four years, possibly bring me the horizon. But in terms of superstar metal band of the 21st century, by superstar metal band, I mean, they could headline a festival tomorrow. You could book them in a stadium next year with a good support lineup and it would do very, and it would sell an incredible amount of tickets. You know, if it wasn't for COVID, they would have had their own uh, cruise. Uh, not fest at sea. They've got their own festival. Slipknot are the superstar metal band of the 21st century. And he's a massive part of that. Huge part of why that is. And and, and really outside of the 70s, Slipknot were metal's greatest cultural phenomenon. By by far. Yes. Uh, Slipknot, Slipknot were yeah. appearing on like mainstream television and like, yeah. like talk shows. And Paul McCartney gave an interview where he talked about them. And like they were like... Re- they weren't just relevant to us. They were relevant to everybody. Mm. From 1992, everyone knew who Slipknot were. Radio 2 played Slipknot singles when they came out. Like, yeah. put that into perspective, it just never happened. Like, he's the front man of one of the most impactful, important bands in metal ever, period. No problems. So with that, Sam, I, I remember I reviewed CMFT for uh i forgot which uh website it was now I mean, that's irrelevant which website it was anyway i reviewed cmft and i did find it kind of hard to review because of because obviously knowing that he's just having fun right like yeah we this reviewed is... it as well did we review it as well yeah um right okay. I, I, I know the songs on it and that, that would be the only circumstance where i'd have, oh. I'd have known that information <laughs> There's a, there's a, and a, and the reason that I know that we reviewed it is because there's one song on it that's brilliant called Home. Right, okay. Um, do you know, I completely forgot that we rev- that we reviewed that album. So yeah, I suppose yeah. that fits in, right? There was part in the one to just wave my hand. It was like, oh, he's just having fun, letting him have fun. And then on the other side of me, it was like, mm, it's not great, but, oh, cool. You know, Corey Taylor, if he just wants to have fun and just get in a room with a band and just play rock songs and rock the songs that like bleed into blues and country, then is he who is he really hurting? Um, I'm not sure how you feel about that that type of critique though, Sam. Like it does his legend status afford us to be able to metaphorically wave our hands and be like, he's having fun. You know, just let him do what he wants to do. Who's he hurting? He does his legend status allow us to do that. Like if this was, uh, let's think, uh, if this was James, if this was a James Hetfield solo album, like I'm not saying Corey Taylor is the same level of James Hetfield in terms of frontman or anything like that, but just as a comparison, if it was James Hetfield, could we just wave our hand at it and be like, just let him have fun? Who's he hurting, man? It's 40 minutes of your life, chill. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. James Hetfield has often gave interviews where he's on oh, separate note. Oh, I fancy giving out a country record, and there's been some Metallica covers that have kind of lent itself to that. And yeah, um, I think I think so. I, I think like when you read through the liner notes, you're reminded um that he has 13 albums combined in Slipknot and Stone Sour, mm. four best-selling novels, including a New York Times best-selling author book. And this and a Christmas re- and a Christmas single, 
Andy appears live <laughs> on interviews and podcasts and does his own. Yeah, I mean, he's a phil- he's a th- philanthropist, isn't he? And he just does what he wants. Um, on this though, because I think it's a given that I don't like this. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by this. So I want to, I want to just see what you think this means. All right, the fact yeah, that on. I was pleasantly surprised by this. <laughs> yeah. Does it mean that it's good? Or does it just mean that I was pleasantly surprised by this in the context of what Corey Taylor's solo record was like before? Do you know what I mean? I can't. I don't know the yeah. answer to that question, but I was pleasantly surprised because I thought this was going to be terrible, and it's not terrible. It's do you know what? It's not. Joe, this isn't terrible at all. Like I'm so glad we agree there because I, I thought this would be, I thought this would be borderline debating uh, between me and me and you in terms of this <laughs> album because. I, I, I don't think this album is bad in any stretch. And I actually don't think that you need the metaphorical hand wave and to say, just let him have fun. I think this um, al- album has, right. has, yeah, literally, I think this album has plenty of merit in its own right. And I, I really wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting to say that. And I think there's a chance, right? I think there's a chance that's, because we disliked the last Slipknot album to the extent that we did, right? So, like, Corey Taylor's, Corey Taylor's main element of his career, the latest thing they did, in our opinion, was pretty bad. So what's his side content like that's not the main element of his career, right? Um, but actually, no. Thinking with that, yeah. <laughs> but actually, no. Uh, Sam, I think this is a good rock album that has some moments that I find somewhat jarring. But on, in, a, in a general way, I think if Alter Bridge released this album, me and you would say, this is a great Alter Bridge album, isn't it? This is the best Alter Bridge album. album. Sorry, this is the best Alter Bridge have been in a few years. Uh, any thoughts on that statement there? If, this, if Alter Bridge released this, we'd say great Alter Bridge album? Yeah, yeah. I'd Also, if it's, if you just replace the label with Stone Sour, it just slots into Stone Sour, doesn't it? In like, a sense, yeah. Because it, obviously it's got, it doesn't, like, it's not as heavy as Stone Sour Records, but, like, Post Traumatic Blues is a good rock song. It's a good yeah. rock song, and it's it's a driving rhythm. And, by the way, and, and I wrote both guitarists down, you might shed some light on this. I don't know who the lead guitarist is out of Christian oh, don't. or Zach Throne, but no, I'm whoever out of the two of them is the lead guitarist, he's having a whale of a time on this record. Uh, yeah. He's, he's really enjoying himself. Um, They let him off the leash, and... There's a real rock sleaze to this. And it feels like the whole album feels a little bit like I want to write a, a Counting Crows song. And that's cool. That's talk, that's a breath of fresh smoke. I want to write a Guns N' Roses song. And that is Talk mm. Sick, which is just, by the way, they've just taken it so easy. If you just read this into the riff on this so easy, it's exactly the same. Um, <laughs> and in the single Beyond is Corey Taylor being like, do you remember him? I could be him if I wanted to. And then they just, he just does a version of that. Um, And then the rest of it, it's like, you know, some of it's a bit, a bit like you roll your eyes at some of it. Like, um, like all I want is hate. It's just like a throwaway two or three minute tune. We are the rest is terrible. Yeah. You know what? The high school, mate, the high school teen chant of no way it will beat me. No way away on we are the rest. I, I thought did the whole album that would was like, sound like on, that going in. Yeah. So that mm. so put that where my expectations are. Um, I was going in thinking the whole thing would be just like a throwaway because CM CMFT, uh, the first yeah. one was just yeah. a bar band 
fronted by Corey Taylor and all the songs sounded really similar apart from Home, which was like this beautiful piano ballad, which is really good. Uh, and this has got some real versatility that I just wasn't expecting. Um, like Dead Flies is a legitimately good song, not just a good rock song. Like, you have to put it in a box. It's a legitimately good song. Sometimes yeah, this... I'll change your mind. It's like a nice little, nice little song with a punky sort of finish. Punchlines, kind of like a Bon Jovi tune. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, oh, I'll try this. I'll try that. And it, most of it kind of works. It speaks to the versatility of Corey Taylor. That he really is talented enough to do a seven out of ten version of anything um within the rocker sphere. And then when you add the fact that his voice still sounds great, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised to hear some growling and or screaming and shouting on a bit of this. That was that was really nice to hear some a bit of aggression. Um, and I didn't expect that at all. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't I agree with you. I don't think you even need to look at it in the context of like oh, well, it's Corey Taylor, let him do what he wants. I agree with you. In its own right, it's a good rock so- It's a good rock album. It's got some real highlights. It's got some stuff that you can just skip, but whatever. Um, and really, you're right. For an album that in the grand scheme of Corey Taylor, when Corey Taylor passes away, is this is this album's not even going to make the 13 first paragraphs. It's just not going to be shuttled in there at all. It doesn't matter mm. in the, in the long, long scale of things, but it just shows that he's a talented bloke and he's doing side quests now, and he's pretty good at them, and that that should be celebrated. Well, I think that Sam, with the exception of "We Are the Rest," I suppose the box doesn't really count because it's an intro song. With the exception of "We Are the Rest" and "All I Want Is Hate," I think generally we're looking at a consistently good album here. Yeah, um, I wasn't massive on "Someday I'll Change Your Mind." I kind of felt like. Some for a for a man with the musical intelligence and experience of Corey Taylor to write a song where basically the entire concept is a these are the days wow wow vocal motif wrapped around a sim- round around like a simple mid tempo riff. I found that kind of disappointing. With the exception of those three songs, I think this is a consistently good album. There is a theme that that runs through this album. There's also a theme that runs through the album that we're going to discuss after this. Um, but th- the general theme is you're guaranteed to get phenomenal guitar playing and Corey Taylor he's just got this undeniable infectious sweep to his to his chorus vocals that are kind of you can't escape them like even on even on we are the rest which I think is is considerably uh the worst song on the album even in that there's a real power and an oomph to Corey's uh vocals especially in the chorus and and that's really the theme. You've got on midnight. You've got like almost Sinister Gate esque solo work uh, by the guitarist. Again, I'm not sure whether Christian Martucci or Zach Throne is the lead, but whoever, whichever one is, good lord, what a performance they've put in. I felt like you know Punchline, Corey Taylor's love of professional wrestling is well documented. Punchline is the atypical hard rock wrestler entrance song admittedly by by this point in the album that punchline turns up Corey stretched the the heavy rock riff meets amphetic chorus featuring solo shtick to, to its limit but in a nutshell 
Punchline's another swaggering rock track for the further and power of our calls. Uh, Dead Flies, you mentioned that. I thought it was a, a superb and apt close, apt decision to uh, choose that to finish the uh, record. You get a Maiden-like riff to open, probably the, my favourite riff on the entire album. It gives you this pyro-demanding, strobe-like flickering chorus from Corey. It's a nice sort of switch up in the middle eight as descends into an early stone so vibe. Um, Dead Flies is actually one of the few dynamic twists and turns that the album creates, even though there's a mixture of thematic ideas in the album, such as there's a bit of punk in there, there's a bit of blues, and there's a bit of country in there. Really, generally, the songs all stick to the same blueprint, but Dead Flies just kind of switch that up. And I think, Sam, that there's no need to wave our hands at this. This is just a good rock album by a phenomenally talented musician. Yeah, I can't I can't help but agree with you there. I think like you say, there are there are moments of real um, cheese and cliche and a little bit of stuff where it feels like they've kind of sellotaped a song idea around like a loose vocal and stuff like that. Mm. But overall, you're right. Overall, you're right. This has some real moments of 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 really very good music. Um, mm. The post dramatic blues, toxic beyond run, um, is really good. Um, Midnight is solid. Sorry me, is solid. Um, punchline, I, I all right. There's a nice, there's a bit of double kicks at the conclusion, which I thought was nice in isolation, but felt a little bit bolt on, uh, in terms of the context of the song. But other than that, like you say, and, and it concludes with Dead Flies, which is just a really good rock tune and it's got some weight and power to it. You're right, this confirms a couple of things is that that Corey Taylor is still one of the most versatile and interesting and compelling people in music and compelling people in metal music, and that it's perfectly okay to sort of chase these kind of side quests when you have this level of, of, I don't know, talent and pull and charisma and stuff like that, because there are very few people I'd imagine where this would even be remotely compelling. Um, mm. Like, I don't know, like just trying to think of, of another like really big band, but very few lead vocalists who I'd be interested in would be like, Hey, I'm going to do a solo record and it might have some, like sort of soft rock songs on it. It's there are it's a very 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 short list of people that would make me perk up and even yeah immediately one that comes to my mind. I'd be I'd be kind of interested to see what Dave Grohl does with that. Uh, but immediately after I say Dave Grohl, I'm struggling for like yeah, rock for Spencer, like Spencer Sotelo out of periphery just for for, for like talent alone. Uh, but then again, if Dave Grohl was like, I want to do an album of soft rock songs, you mean like Foo Fighters? Then Dave. <laughs> But um, <laughs> hey, 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 that new Foo Fighters album's really good, man. The, the I new Foo Fighters really so good. I can't, I can't say anything. So, Dead good, dude. Um, You'd love it. I'm just taking, I'm just taking pot shots without any knowledge, as is my disposition. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Corey Taylor's got a pretty unique uh, charisma that lends itself really nicely to these kind of projects, and this is another example of of his ability to be able to literally pull a good rock album seemingly out of nowhere and all credit to him for that. Right, that'll close off our review of Corey Taylor's CM2. A reminder, it's out on September 5th via BMG slash Decibel Cooper Recordings. Um, An album that I think... You know, yeah, uh, if you're a Slipknot fan, listen to it uh, because there are, you know, there are elements of Slipknot in there, as well as you love most of the Slipknot choruses, don't you? And Corey Taylor is phenomenal on the chorus, and there's loads of great choruses on this record. 
Right, we'll move on, Sam. Uh, let's go on to Tesseract War of Being. Also out on September 15th, this time via K-Scope Records. It's the prog metal band's fifth full-length album and the follow-up to 2018's Sonder. I know I do always kind of say this, Sam, when, when we when we have an app, when we review an album, it's kind of complex. But I'm just going to repeat that uh, theme here. Uh, really, I think it's best that you take the lead on this in terms of the the complexity of the way this album's put together um because while of course i'm going to chime in with my thoughts i think there's a great chance that you'll be able to uh, explain uh, this record in a better way than i can one thing i will say just to start us off whenever periphery releases an album i'll just take it as a given that's going to be my favorite prog record of the year and not that i'm kind of neck deep in the happenings of prog on a yearly basis but i do always always check out like the the mainstay important records or try to that come out in the genre on a given year and whenever peripheral release i'm like oh that's gonna be my prog record of the year uh but possibly not this year sam i can't possibly not this year open yourself up to 57 youtube comments being like you haven't heard widdly diddly portion 47 and it's like (laughs) what are you what do you mean? Like, you know, the, the Dream Theater's Cousins Dogs Band. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, dude, I just said, I just said, part 14. <laughs> I, I just said that Periphery, uh, the new Periphery on P5 is not necessarily going to be my prog record of the year. After listening to War of Being, Sam, is Periphery's P5 necessarily going to be your prog record album of the year? Yeah, it still is. I didn't like this that much. Um, right, okay, that's it, interesting. I thought it was, I thought it was good, but there were a lot of songs that I felt were kind of meandering. Um, and with with periphery, um, while the songs are complicated and long and well thought out, um, as as these tesseract numbers are, there's a difference with periphery. It always feels in service of this groundswell, this huge mm. moment that it it sort of builds up to. And while I like this in parts, I actually I'm being I'm being a bit unfair. I actually really like this in parts. I'll be honest, but there were some parts where I actually came away kind of disappointed. So I want to start with the positives because there are more positives than negatives. But P Five is still my favorite prog record of the year in comparison. Really, um, this opens really well. Yeah, natural really disaster, well. brilliant, really strong. Um, like, but not just because it's heavy and complicated and stabby and the, and the tempos range from time to time and things like that. It's because it builds towards that absolutely humongous chorus at the end, that really open, powerful, really kind of like sort of emblematic kind of uh, I- immediately iconic kind of chorus, at the conclusion of that song. And then it follows it with a song that does the same, the same, but with a much slower sort of transcendental build with this sort of, the idea of Legion with that beautiful vocals, really top class work for the vocalist all album, by the way, his ability to sort of like cascade in and out of this sort of like reverb centered sort of clean sound. Really, really, really beautiful. Yeah. Dan um, Tompkins puts in a performance on this album. He's really superb. Nice. He's superb. Really, really nice. Um, and I, I like, I like, I like the clean guitar chords of echoes and the way that it's sort of, um, sort of rotates behind the vocals and stuff like that, and slowly develops on this sort of picking riff and sort of adds notes and adds layers every single every single few bars and stuff like that. Where I start getting a little bit annoyed, I say annoyed, a little bit disappointed, is the middle section turns me off a little bit. Um, the explode like 
Tender, which sound like a band. There was a, a band called Explosions in the Sky, and they wrote a lot of like it's echoey, ambient, clean guitar music that was used in a lot of film soundtracks and stuff. And it's one of those bands that you wouldn't know the name of, but you've definitely heard at least two or three of their tunes because they're in the background of a background of film scenes or a Grey's Anatomy episode or something like that. That I found out because they were in like this Friday Night Lights film that I watched. It was brilliant because it's like really ambient. Anyway, it starts mm, off like yeah. this and it slowly builds, really beautiful, bit by bit. Right, that 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 uh, that tender song with the drums just sort of like slowly increasing in pace and tempo. Yeah, heavy can I say that I love Tender? I love Tender. I think it's class. Can I just add that in? Just while you Of course. You're... Of course. And it just got heavy, like, at the, like, 30 seconds, it felt like, at the end. And I wanted to do that a bit sooner or carry that on a little bit longer. It felt like the moment it got to this climax, it sort of dipped away a little bit quickly. And I found that a little bit disappointing. The 11-minute title track, War of Being, I actually didn't like. Um, Might be the first 11-minute song I've heard in about three years that I didn't like. I'll be honest. Um, It... Because it felt more methodical and mechanical um, than it did sort of, and I don't just mean the sound of the music, because uh, I don't want people to be like, uh, that's actually their, their intention, is to kind of sound more computeristic. I know. I, I what I mean, like, it's mechanical in the songwriting style. Um, it just felt like that that riff at the start was kind of like that kind of slow, sluggish, after the burial type stuff. And then mm. it kicks into that that kind of offbeat, uh, like, genty kind of verse. And it that continues for what feels like a little bit too long. It kind of meanders for me. And it, it, it grows and grows and grows, but it it grows into something that I don't necessarily enjoy, personally. That that spoken word rap section about two-thirds of the way in, that kind of felt like the climax of the song, but for me, it didn't really go anywhere beyond that. It never seemed to get out of third gear, and I found it a little bit underwhelming. And this is the thing about Tesseract on this record, is that I enjoy... I enjoy the some of the musicality and the musicianship of this this album and their ability to combine heavy gent offbeat sounds with the classic echoey clean and rotate between those two very different dynamics. I think is incredibly impressive. But when you build up the song to something and it doesn't mm. quite get there, regardless of how clever the build up is, it still feels like a disappointment to me. And there are lots of those songs where it feels like that, like Sirens. Do you feel a bit empty coming out of Sirens? Well, like, where, I, I where, did want to talk. About, I did want to talk about the drumming of Jay Postones. Oh God, he on Sirens, phenomenal. Because he, he's I think he's a beautiful drummer. I think he's a beautiful yes. drummer. Yeah, he mixes. He mixes your traditional uh, metal double kick offbeat style, especially especially in sort of the, the the prog metal stuff where it's sort of like multiple timings and polyrhythms and stuff. But what he does that I adore, and I've told you this before. Over and over again, I love this type of thing where you add the snare and the hi-hats and you don't just do the basic kind of like kick drum stuff over the top. Give me a bit of snare, give me a bit of rolls, give me a bit of like musicality, a bit of syncopation, a bit like way Chris Adler used to do for Lamb of God where he was doing yeah. that underneath stuff and then he would still be able to add in accents on the hi-hat and accents on the ride cymbal to make everything sound interesting. Back when Joey Jordison, God rest his soul, used to do it as well for early Slipknot records and you knew that he was having his little flair and the drummer on this was, was, was doing that beautifully. From that aspect, they set a beautiful foundation for some of these songs. My issue is with the song composition itself. It always seems to be building up in this middle section, something that it never quite gets there. Sirens feels like a missed opportunity because it's beautiful to open. I just wish it ended better. And then you listen to um, 
like sacrifice the final tune, which does exactly what I wanted. Um, in the set, it's a solid opening refrain, really big chorus, and it combines those transitions and those changes in dynamic with the context of actually an engine running through the song. Too often in this album, I felt like they chose to be clever rather than they chose to be effective. That's what I feel sometimes. And it, it just feels like they've kind of outsmarted themselves a little bit when it's like, rather than, all right, let's find the chorus that make that the engine of the song. And then we can do everything else around it. Like Perif, that's what Periphery do wonderfully. They still find the main motif and they still find a transcendental way, transcendental way to end a song in this really impactful way. And I feel like Tesseracts are driving down a road, seeing the sign that says big, massive finish, and then just taking a left turn sometimes. And it just feels like there's a lot of missed opportunities on this record to really hammer things home. Despite the fact that I feel at parts, it's an incredibly thoughtful, introspective and reflective album. It's really smart. I just find myself listening to it, feeling like I need something else in some of these songs. Maybe though, to argue with myself, if someone gave me the gave me a counter argument, said, look, actually, it's a collected work. And rather than seeing it as eight individual songs, see it as one big connected idea, in which case the opening and the chorus act as massive bookends for the entire album. Then I'm saying fair enough, if that's the way I should treat it as a concept record. But as individual songs, there are some weak links on this that let it down slightly. And I think some of the song composition could need a little bit of work, although I think it's an incredibly clever and intelligent record. I think if you if you're a prog metal gatekeeper, you are going to adore this album. Because it yeah. it gives you it gives you ample, ample moments to drop your jaw in respect in terms of the difficulty, the complexity, the, the time signature changes, the the changes of tempo. There, there really is a lot to be admired um, in this album. I would uh, the reason why I've said you, you know Periphery is not necessarily my prog uh, album of the year as we speak uh, is because I really, really I adore the choruses on this album. I think. Daniel Tompkins, I know that you've mentioned sometimes oh, there was a chance he did the big finish. He didn't do the big finish. But when when they anchor him into the into the middle of the track in the chorus sections, something special happens a lot of the time. Uh, natural disaster. Just when you feel like that track does everything it could possibly do, yeah, it would. It's almost like between the buried and me, like the way natural disaster happens, so like rigid and obtuse. But and then it goes in these more two directions, and that's when just when you think, right, okay, they've gone everywhere they could have gone. Natural disaster has this big like operatic melodious finish with Daniel Tompkins at the centre of, it, and I was just like, God, this is stunning. This, um. I I liked I really liked Echoes because it was more di- it was more direct in its opening than Natural Disaster, but I didn't think it was any less impactful. Um, but you know I'm not sure because ex- I'm not huge on Tesseract in terms. Of I'm not big on the discography. I believe his name is uh, a- Aisel Carney. I believe is the lead guitarist name. I, there's a great chance I said that name wrong though. Is the tonality fluctuations in he, the way he writes his uh, guitar, his riffs, absolutely amazing. Uh, Echoes doesn't require as much of you as a listener, and sometimes that's what I need in my prog metal records, a couple of tracks that doesn't require the intense listening from me because my musical knowledge and just my musical enjoyment does kind of waver after five, six minutes sometimes. Uh, but yeah, Echoes is more direct 
huge chorus again uh, i mentioned that i adored uh tender i felt like it was uh almost unmissable four and a half minutes for me i know you mentioned you wanted something more but i felt like there really was a closet a curtain closing epic that swung through the center of that song that i uh, loved uh sirens and just side clouds off here. Sirens, I was more focused on the drumming of Jay Postones uh, in, in that uh, track, especially to open. Um, he, you know, he's got just an unbelievable way of fleeting around the, around the kit. At literally a moment's notice, there's always like a, a wild hi-hat or a wild uh, floor time just thrown in there out of nowhere. Um, yeah, Animals as Leaders-esque, almost. Sirens, yeah, uh, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, again, for me, uh, being someone who uh, likes prog, but is is by no means an expert in prog, or some or someone who pays a huge amount of attention to prog, uh, I really enjoyed this. Like, really, really enjoyed it. I'd probably listen to the Peripheries record again, and then this just shortly after to determine which one I think I prefer. But again, if you're someone, if you're a prog metal fan who really likes the musicians to push you to the edge of your understanding and uh, to their possible uh, limits of complexity in terms of writing. I think this has a, an awful amount on offer for you. And even if you're someone who just likes a great chorus with an emphatic riff behind it, there's also a lot of that on this album as well. So it does cater to a couple of fields. I really like this as a whole, but I, I can see where you would find uh, some faults in it. Yeah, I, I think I think like I said, I think it's an it's a very very good prog metal album. And I agree. If you're if you're a prog metal fan, if you're a Tesseract fan, I can't imagine we reviewed the last Tesseract album as well, and I can't imagine you could be disappointed with this record. And if you if you listen to it as a holistic thing, I imagine where some of my criticisms might not even matter at all. Um, mm. I just listen to I listen to the songs. And I found some kind, uh, some ways to be a little bit disappointed because it felt the way that the song was structured, it was building towards a particular moment and an idea, and then it neglected to do that, and it felt a little bit underwhelming at the end. But overall, this is a this is an album of real intelligence, an album of real accomplishment, and if you're a big fan of the gent sound and the math rock style of being able to jump from four four choruses to sort of six eight and seven eight verses and that type of stuff if that that really if that really works for you then there is a lot of that the guitar the guitar tone here you're right is stunning my favorite elements of it are actually those beautiful clean sounds and those big big violent chorus chords that they seem to be able to put at the right moment i think this is a really 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 good record within the context of its genre but if we're talking about where does it compare with Periphery, who I believe are a special band, a really special, spectacular band, then I think there needs to be a little bit more um, from um, from some of these songs consistently for me. But again, I will cede to anybody else's opinion on that. I think that's a good place to leave off uh, episode 134 of the Noise Podcast. A reminder that the best way to support us is by subscribing slash liking slash following, depending on the podcast service uh, that you use, whether that is YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast, or if you want to follow the general noise handle, you can follow us at 
Noise UK. A reminder to check out in the description, uh, Satanic Tico, a metal band and coffee slash tea brand. Don't see that phrase said too often. Uh, we're going to be back in approximately two weeks' time. I need to double-check the release schedule to see what is going to be out in and around that time. Uh, but yeah, we'll have another episode out in 14 days, there or thereabouts. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. It means the world to us. We will see you in two weeks. Remember to check out uh, Tesseract's War of Being and Corey Taylor's CM2 on the 15th of September. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.